This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker Cuz Cast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tanner. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast for all podcast updates and more. There's a lot to get into tonight. Corey Lestoki, host of the Hardcore College Football Podcast. He'll join us to break down the Penn State game. But first, we got to discuss the heartbreaking and frustrating loss to Northwestern on Saturday. The Huskers fell 21-13 to in a game where they just could not find the end zone. Tyler, talk about these end zone struggles. I mean, it was unreal. I mean, you know, we had a 400 plus 480 yards total offense on the gear. If you look at what Northwestern's defense has done, this is almost equal to what they had given up to both Maryland and Iowa in the first two weeks, moving the ball over the field. And then when we got in their territory, the offense just stalled. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of different reasons, but we'll get into it. But passing struggles were a huge concern throughout the game. Inside the red zone, um, you know, we couldn't run the ball. Uh, it just—it was across the field. We just couldn't make the plays when we got in the red zone. Derek, how frustrated were you seeing all of this? We're moving the ball, but can't punch it in consistently. Uh, you know, I—I'm I'm, going to say this. I give Northwestern some credit there because they did a good job of shutting some shit down. Uh, Nebraska made their own mistakes there too, which was frustrating. Uh, I you know I don't know. I mean, Northwestern's the one like the fourth best red zone defense in the country right now, so it, it's hard to completely say it was all Nebraska when Northwestern did some good things. But when you when you got a quarterback hitting a uh, Ben Hart in a helmet, he's what six foot eight. And they get an interception off of it, bouncing off of a guy's helmet. Like, I don't know. You call it bad luck. You call it bad vision by a quarterback. I, I don't know. What did you think about the quarterback play there, Derek? Oh, I, it was it was up and down. It. I honestly felt both quarterbacks uh, did about the same thing. They moved the ball between the twenties, and when we got into the damn red zone, both of them choked. Uh, I, I don't know what the fix is, but something needs to change. Tyler, what, what's your thought on the quarterback play? So, so we're finally we're doing this now. We're doing we're doing the talk of the quarterback. Let's, let's just get down the brass taxes after no, that I mean, game. Hey, okay, well, go ahead. You you talk about what you want to say. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, after this game, the talk in the town is Adrian Martinez is done. I mean, the, bench the scrub. This guy is done. Put Luke McCaffrey in, and guys. We'll talk about the future of that in a second, but I'll I'll be honest with you. Luke McCaffrey, including game, uh, Saturday, has had seven drives. You know how many points he scored? Zero. Okay. I, I again, I'm Luke has done some things very well. He has impressed me where he is as a passer, but he has not fixed the problems. You know, you go into that game on Saturday. You know, it, it, I don't believe Scott Frost had really intentions to put Luke McCaffrey in at quarterback. Not nearly as much as he did, but Adrian did not play well, and that kind of forced his hand. Um, 
I will be honest with you, I was shocked that he took that final series. I don't know if that was the right call by Scott Frost. I know I'm probably the only one out there that thinks that, but you know, you, you put Luke out there, and again, we didn't score on that final drive, and ultimately we lose by eight. Derek? Okay, well, I'll add this, Tyler. Uh, you talk about zero points on so many drives. How many touchdown passes does Adrian Martinez have? Oh, that's right, zero. He's less than points. <laughs> but uh, how many has he? How many points has he gotten us? How much has a running back gotten us? Well, okay. Dedrick so, Mills has two touchdowns, which is what most of our touchdowns on the year. All but one. I mean, all but one. I think Adrian had that one, but um, but but I will say, Adrian Martinez has led sixteen drives as quarterback. We have scored on six of them. Okay, that's not probably the clip you want. Okay, but let's let's talk about red zone. Okay, I talked about red zone passing. Red zone passing was. Abysmal. Adrian, Mar- Adrian Martinez had had a zero passer rating in the end zone, in Ta- the red Ta- zone. You're saying Adrian what? Martinez has led six scoring drives? Yes. So, so you're counting the uh, drive that Miles Farmer returned to the three, and Adrian Martinez handed off, right? He's getting credit yes. for that? Okay. I, I, I don't – I mean, okay, do you want to discount that? I mean – I mean, I mean he didn't lead it drive. Well, at what point in time do you want to okay, discount – start discounting stuff? I mean, like, okay, well, this drive doesn't count because you only took two st- – I mean – How about the eye test? Start- let's use the eye test. Stop using stats. Let's look at the eye test. I okay. think you got to look at the eye test. I don't know if Adrian Martinez is looking any better than what he has. He's not improving. He looks like the same old self that he has been – last year when everybody was beating up on him. He's not getting any better. He's plateaued. I don't know. And, you know. And, 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 and again, I, I, it's watching Adrian Martinez play, I, I get he has not looked sharp. But, but let's, before we get into this, let's just remember two things about the rest of this conversation. One, that this was the two best defenses Nebraska is going to face all year. Okay? So before anything else, let's just remember that in the context of this conversation. And then when we get to defense, remember how bad Northwestern's offense is before we crown them too high. But, like, I, guys, I'm not saying that Adrian Martinez has blown away Luke McCaffrey. And Adrian Martinez is unquestionably the starter. And if you want to talk about the pace of play and, like, well, when Luke's in there, let me tell you, it seems like we run it faster. And I agree. But it also seems like we don't substitute as much. It also seems like we're just running on the field and we're running a quicker That's pace. That's because we're running tempo. That's what Scott Frost wants to run. I mean, and and and, 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 and so the question is with Adrian Martinez is can, is it is he not doing it or does he not want to? Scott Frost has alluded to the fact. I think he even said it today that he did not use tempo sometimes in that game because he didn't want to give them the ball back. He did it for defensive reasons. So. I think he said that today in his press conference, or they said it on 1620. I heard it somewhere that Scott Frost had talked about that after the game, but that he was using tempo intermittently to keep the defense on its, uh, to be able to help for defense. I don't know why our offense isn't moving faster. If you look at that first drive with Adrian Martinez, like he's moving the ball well. I mean, the tempo is good that first drive, and then it seems like we slow down throughout the game. Maybe that's on Adrian. Maybe it is, but I, I just. I'm tired of every – I mean, the guy put, ran for over 100 yards in three quarters. I, I mean – He's a great I, running I, back. I, great running back. But when it comes and, to and the quarterback skills, you have to pass. 
You and, 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 on third, and on third and down, not. when he hits a wide receiver dead in the hands, and it's some Levi or wait, I don't even pronounce the guy's name. I don't even know who the guy is. Was that? Le- I don't think it was Levi. It was like somebody else. Is it someone? It wasn't Levi Falk. It was another white guy. But <laughs> that apparently can block. I mean, I just, I'm just, I'm just. My final thing is before we get off this, I just. It seems like Adrian gets blamed for everything. Well, I'm going to cut Derek off here real quick. But there's only been two constants at Nebraska under Scott Frost right now, right? The way with the offense. The offense hasn't clicked since he's been here. There's only been two constants. Scott Frost's play calling and Adrian Martinez. Those are the two constants. We've shuffled guys at wide receiver, running back, on the offensive line. There's only two constants. So, you know, sometimes you just have to change out another constant, I guess. Uh, Derek? Oh, yeah. Well, first off, I have to go way back now because you guys wouldn't, wouldn't let me talk here for a minute. But it, just a technicality here, uh, Adrian Martinez's interception was not a red zone attempt anyway because he was thrown from the 25-yard line. Oh, well, thank you for that technicality. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, here, here's my thing, and, and this, is, this is what I'm going to say about the whole thing. Uh, I, I, at the end of the day, I don't give a shit who starts at, the, at quarterback because I think they both do things well. They both run the ball well. Uh, that game did not look good for Adrian Martinez percentage-wise. But when he threw the ball well, he threw it well. But Luke McCaffrey had some really bad passes too. Uh, but here, here, here's my biggest thing. We need to get the playmakers in. Uh, I, I love Cade Warner as much as the next guy, but get him on the bench and let Xavier Betts start. Let Marcus Fleming start. Those need to be our two biggest wide receivers outside of Wondell Robinson. We need to get Wondell Robinson the ball more. And I don't care how you do it, just do it. <laughs> Except on uh, punt returns. Well, whatever. I, yeah, I, I don't think that's Wondell Robinson as much as it is probably a coaching staff. But, uh, again, the one time he tried to run it back, he fumbled it. So <laughs> maybe that's why the wide, maybe that's why the coach is saying just, just do the fair catch so we don't screw up. Yeah. Uh, at, at the end of the day, we got to get some playmakers on the field. We don't have a running back who can run the ball. Diedrich Mills, who we all thought was going to be great this year, had a 3.1 yards per carry on 19 carries against Northwestern. Now, I get it. Northwestern, and it, look, Northwestern has a good defense. They stopped the run well. Uh, but Jesus, guys, we got to get some play playmakers going. Yeah. Uh, that, that last drive, Xavier Betts looked like the guy to go to. Uh, Marcus Fleming looked like the guy to go to quite a few times. Uh, I'd like to see a little more of Omar Manning. I don't know if that's still... I don't. I don't know why we didn't play him more than we did. Uh, he did get thrown to, I think, twice actually, but both times the the uh, pass got broke up once by a linebacker, once by a defensive lineman. Uh, so I, I don't know. But to me, the answer is not at quarterback. It's, it's at the playmakers. Like, let's get some of these playmakers in. So it's interesting, you know. For, for, forget the forget this no block, no rock bullshit. Let's get the playmakers in that we can get the ball to. Headed into the season. Uh, when we're evaluating the offense, you know, we, we, we talked uh, at length about this. You know, and one of the concerns was there wasn't enough experience there at the skill positions. You know, and losing, losing J.D. Spielman was big. Uh, and the wide receivers, although there was a lot of talent, it was in the back of our minds that was still a position kind of of concern because there's, there's no experience. And, you know, maybe we're seeing the benefits. So 
had we known this was going to happen a month ago, I don't know if, how surprised we, we are would have been. But now, since the game, you just see the real effects of you know playmakers not stepping up and showing up. The guys that we thought could have been good, you know, Omar Manning, he's been a he's been on a milk carton. Uh, it, it's kind of but but again and, but but again the Omar Manning thing we. Again, sure. this is a Scott Frost thing. We don't know what's going on. We don't know if he's still a little banged up. We don't know if he's just not picking up the offense. We just don't know with him. But here, here's probably my biggest concern, and this I'm going to throw a stat out to you guys, and I'm pretty sure you guys probably know fairly well what the stat is, but uh, 72% of our rushing yards have come from quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's crazy. That's not the way it should be. Even under Osborne and uh, Solich, when we ran the option all the time, it was not seventy-two percent of our quarterbacks getting run, getting the runs. Uh, we need a we need a running back to step up, and I don't know, maybe run up, maybe a healthy Ronald Tompkins is the guy to do it. Right now, I'm leaning towards Dedrick Mills isn't the guy. You want he's a situational guy. You want to get him in short down situations. He's a, he's a bruiser. He can get you some yards. But he's not the guy that's going to get you a lot of plays. And all these swing passes that we're doing for for uh, Diedrich Mills are completely ineffective because he doesn't have that speed and that juke ability that most of the rest of our running backs do. Well, and, and Derek, you're right on that. And then, so that goes to question. You brought up uh, Wandell Robinson. And, you know, heading into the year, one of my thoughts was is that we needed him at wide receiver. Like, we needed him at wide receiver. And let's leave the quarterback out and the fact that we apparently don't have a quarterback that can get, can get him the ball at wide receiver. But, like, it yeah. is, I think we're to the point now that we need to start looking at giving him some carries again. Cause I, don't, I said that from the beginning of the I, year. I know. I think we need to move him back to running back. I think he needs to be primarily I, a running back right now. I am amazed that through two games that guy has zero carries. I, it amazes me. I cannot. I, I cannot believe that's what they're doing. Well, this but, is a guy. This is a guy that was a dynamic runner. Like I get you needed him at wide receiver, but there were still some plays that you could have tried to get him the ball, and you had him lined up in the backfield. I don't know a good ten, fifteen times against Northwestern, and not once. Every time you motioned him out. Yeah. And, every and, time. And, I mean, the person. I, I think you know. I was thinking about this today. What was the most frustrating thing about Saturday's game? Oh, can and, we break and, this down by quarter? <laughs> well, I think I think the I think the easy thing to go to is I think the two things that most fans would point to would be red zone offense and Adrian Martinez. But to me, I think the most frustrating thing is the overall usage of our personnel. And Derek, you alluded to this. Like I don't understand what they're doing at wide receiver. I don't understand why Luke McCaffrey, until he took snaps at quarterback, had one or two snaps in the game, period. Didn't even get the like, ball. Like, I mean we, we could argue for the next hour and a half of what they should do at quarterback, but why you just showed an effective game with him playing all over the field, and you're not even using him as a decoy. Like, you're not even putting him out there, like, to be a, be a distraction. Like, I don't understand. I think the personnel, the way they've used Wando, the way they've used these young wide receivers, um, you know, the, the wide receivers, they've decided to play a uh, high amount of snaps, and the guys I was thinking of was Wyatt Luer. Oh, yeah. That was the guy, and I mean, like, he. Where is this guy? And, and Derek, I'll disagree with you on Cade Warner. I'm okay with him playing, but like, we don't need three Cade Warners out there. Like, 
One is no, enough. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Let, let, let me rephrase that because I'm not saying I don't think Cade Warner should play. I'm just the, – the guy's just not that that effective as a, as a as a receiver. He's great at blocking. That's fine. I just – I. I'm not saying the guy shouldn't get to, get to play. I'm just not sure he should be a starter. And you want to talk about frustrations, and here's one that frustrated me, and I, you could chalk it up to what you will, and I know what I'm chalking it up to a little bit, but it was the penalties. Yeah. Like, we had nine penalties. And here, here's the stupidest part about it was eight of them were on uh, offense. No, I'm sorry, seven of them were on, on offense. One of them was a false start on a field goal which we got lucky enough to still make the field goal. Uh, we have one offside penalty on the defense. But other than that, it was all on the offense. That first drive, we was just driving it down the field, no no problems. And we get a false start by Bo Wilson. Then we get a hold by by uh, Ben Hart. And I, well, I will say I didn't necessarily 100% agree with the hold on Ben Hart. It was still called. Uh, the second drive, we get a false start on Matt Farniak. Then the third drive, we got a fucking holding penalty on uh, Brendan Hymas. It's like every every time. I'm sorry for the f bomb, but every time <laughs> that we start driving the ball or do anything, we we get we kill it with a penalty. Well, and that Ben Hart, uh, the Ben Hart hold came after a 12 yard run by Adrian Martinez. That yeah, put us it would have been a first. It, w- it would have been a first down. It, I, it was a first down. I think it put us inside the 10 yard line. And and, and again, no, it, no, it didn't because that's why we ended up having to punt it away. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, there was one penalty that we got when Adrian Rant had a really then, good run inside the red zone. And then in the third quarter, we get a false start by Diedrich Mills. Like, really? He's got to get he's got to get extra start getting those three yards of carry. I mean, Ethan Piper had a, a false start in the fourth quarter that ended up killing a drive. Well, I didn't kill a drive. It was already going backwards the way it was. Because uh, that was uh, Luke McCaffrey's first drive when we just went backwards completely until it was third and thirty, and then Luke McCaffrey t- drove ran the ball for twenty yards, little too little too little too late at that point. Uh, but I mean, it was just so many. Uh, just, just I, I, here's my question for you guys. This this is the frustrating part for me because these weren't necessarily. Most generally speaking, these weren't uh, drive-killing penalties. They were five-yard penalties. We had 55 yards in penalties. Like, that's not an overabundance of penalty yardage. But why can we not recover from a five-yard penalty? So, John Bishop, he tweeted out today uh, the ranking of penalty yards per game for uh, where Scott Frost has been, going back to 2009. Uh so here's the rankings, uh, 2009. And I'm not going to read the year. I'm just going to keep on going forward. 96th, 100th, 111th, 117th, 118th, 119th, 93rd, 72nd in 2016, 117, 117, 18th in 2019, and then this year, 103rd. It's been a consistent problem everywhere he's been. What I'm going to say about that is you're damning him for the o- Oregon time as, as a coordinator, but you're not damning our coordinator for our offensive yard or our, our penalties. I don't, I don't know if you could put all of that on frost, 
Well, okay. well, I think even, I think even at I UCF, think that, I mean, it, it's just but, but yes, yeah, but, but yes, but the here's the difference, and you can say this at Oregon and UCF is they had a good enough offense to make up for it. Yes. They got penalties, sure, but they made up for it with with big plays. Yeah. And for some reason, here at Nebraska, we can't do that. Well, and 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 we'll and we'll say this. I mean, and we kind of until we find an offense that isn't completely relying on the quarterback run, we're going to struggle. And how much of that was our opponents, Northwestern and? Uh, um, Ohio State, how much of that was our offense? We'll find out a lot on Saturday. I, I think whatever the fate of this season, I don't want to say it comes down to Saturday, but I, I think Saturday is going to be the best test we've had all year to see really where this offense is. I, I will also say this in the in the penalty department is, uh, like uh, last year, like I, I don't think you're giving him enough credit for being 18th in the country for for penalties there. And I believe he started off the year in the first two or three games where we were doing pretty shitty in penalties. And then they cleaned it up finally two or three, four games in. And so maybe this is just first of the year type of jitters. Uh, I think a lot of the penalties this year, and that's why I'm jaunting some of these penalties too, is, uh, you know, I I think they were over-anticipating drives because – the crowd noise got to him? No, 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 no. But, I mean, these guys were – I think they came out over-anxious to play. And I think they were trying to, they were trying to get a head start on hitting people. Like uh, – I don't know. we got to move on to defense, but I have one last question for you guys. Uh, did we just witness a change of command ceremony when Frost asked Luke McCaffrey to lead Nebraska on the final drive? Meaning – do you think Luke McCaffrey starts next week against Penn State, Tyler? Do I think he – I don't know if he will. I wouldn't start him. I would start Adrian Martinez. You would. Do you think Frost will start Luke McCaffrey? Is that a change of command ceremony? I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I don't know what to read into that. I really don't know. Um, it, it obviously means something that you trusted Luke McCaffrey on the final drive of the game. Again, I said I don't know if I would have done that. I'm not saying Luke. I, I'm officially on board with the two quarterback system. I'm officially on board there. I'm still starting Adrian Martinez. Um, I think Frost will too. I think Frost will start. If I had to put a dollar on it, I think Frost is starting Adrian on Saturday. Derek, would you put a dollar on Adrian Martinez starting next Saturday? No, I look. There, there's a reason he trusted Luke McCaffrey that last drive, and I I, I can't quite figure out why because. I mean, McCaffrey, I, to me, how good is your field vision when you hit a six foot eight guy in the head? Like, you make it sound like, you know, Adrian Martinez has never made a bad play. Well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not saying that, but you pulled him because of an interception that I personally felt the tight end could have made a better effort for, but it is what it was. And, uh, but he still threw an interception and you pulled him and he didn't come back in for the rest of the game. And, Guess what? Next drive, or not? Not next drive. The drive after Luke McCaffrey had the same end result, but you still trusted him. So I, I, I don't know. Do I? Who do I think will start? Right now, I'm going to lean towards Luke McCaffrey. If you're going to, if you're going to trust him on the game-winning drive, I think that's guy you got to trust to lead your team. I agree. I think it's going to be Luke, uh, just because of what we saw there. In the fourth quarter, the decision to put Luke McCaffrey there on the final drive, that is very telling. 
and it is quite obvious that this offense needs some type of shuffle. Where something is not clicking on this offense, and so you just have you have to change it up a bit. Adrian Martinez has been there. This is his third year, and it's still not. He's still not looking good. So, got to change it up, Derek. Again, my 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 whole thing is end result. Like the end result is neither one of them could score. Both of them didn't do good when we got down to the red zone. Well, uh, so, but 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 here's my thing. Here's where I like I said it before. I'll say it again. Well, we need to change things up as the playmakers we're putting out there. Sure, and I think one of those playmakers is Luke McCaffrey. You need to give him. I, I think I think give him. I think it's more running reps. back and wide receiver. You need to give him all the first team reps and let him start a game instead of having to come off cold off the bench. See what happens. At this point, you have nothing to lose. You have nothing That's to lose. Not, I hate that. I hate that excuse. We have a lot to lose. We're two games into a season. Yeah. We're, we're not. We're not. We have. We have a lot to lose. So if your logic is, hey, let's start preparing for the future, guys. No, it's, 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 you got to win now. You got to win now. You said we have nothing to lose. We have games to lose. We you, have a lot of winnable games. You that have we nothing can win. to lose at the quarterback position because Adrian Martinez cannot get it done. He cannot get it done. I disagree with you on that. I, I disagree with that Adrian Martinez cannot get it done. But I will say this. I don't think it hurts to start Luke McCaffrey for a game, at least a game. Oklahoma just did this with their with their freshman quarterback where they sat him for a game because he was struggling. And then he came out and decided to start playing better. And I don't know if that would be the worst thing to do to Adrian Martinez at this point. You know what? At, at the worst, let Luke McCaffrey have a full half to start the game. And if it doesn't work out, you have Adrian Martinez. You're not shipping him off to military school. He can still come in the game. To save it if you need it. But it's it's time to see. Just try something different. I, I, I adjust. So, so, I, I so hold, on, hold on, hold on. I will disagree I, with you here. I know. And, and you, I know. I, I know well, I, I'll I, let Derek get the word. But I just want to say where I disagree is this thought that we haven't given Luke a shot. And I know that you think that him starting the game is somehow a lot different. But from all accounts, he's taking first team reps. It's not like he's sitting there doing nothing during practice. It's not like he's practicing at wide receiver. He's getting first team reps. He's taking first team reps on offense during the game. Like he is getting chances during the game. I don't know what Frost is going to do. I don't know. I, I don't know if start, but it, for my dollar, I'm starting Adrian. And if you, if you want to alternate them series, do two and two, that's fine. And play the hot hand going into the fourth quarter. That's an option. But I still think you start Adrian. You seem like you're going to be mad if uh, Luke McCaffrey starts. No, I want to win. If Luke wins, I'll be thrilled. All right, Derek. All right, I want to ask Justin this question because, so I, I know we didn't bring the, I know you didn't bring this up on the podcast, but you have said several times throughout since Saturday that it's not fair that Luke McCaffrey had to come in in the fourth quarter cold and we, that he ought to get all the first team reps. Sure. So if we if we lose to Penn State and Adrian Martinez doesn't come in to till the fourth quarter. Are you going to give him that benefit of that doubt, too, having to come in cold? I mean, I, I mean, it only seems fair. I mean, what are you saying? I mean, if he comes in the fourth quarter, he looks like the same Adrian Martinez we've seen all year. Which is the same as we've seen out of Luke McCaffrey. Okay. Well, so if Luke McCaffrey's struggling through three quarters and they finally put Adrian Martinez in, and he does the same thing that Luke McCaffrey does, hey, are, you Luke McCaffrey- give, are you going to give Adrian Martinez a little bit of benefit of doubt on that? Because you gave you gave Luke McCaffrey all the benefit of the doubt because he came in cold. 
I mean, he still looked pretty good. He had a bonehead interception, but he moved that offense. I mean, he accounted for more than. But again, a, Adrian Martinez moved the ball too. He moved. Yeah, but don't make it sound like Adrian Martinez didn't move the ball. We didn't get over 400 yards of of offense with just eight with just Luke McCaffrey. No, but he accounted for more than a third of those yards in just one quarter. I think if he had more opportunities, I think he would have punched in more in the touchdown. I've, I've, I'm gonna. I, I firmly believe that. But he, had, he, dro- he, had, he drove he had, us down he there had, twice and choked both times. Yeah, how, how many? How look? How many? Possessions we, had, we had three red zones. We had three, we had three red zones. How many? How we had many? three red zone. We had three red zone attempts. Adrian Martinez. I mean, it wasn't Adrian Martinez. It was Dedrick Mills pounding it in from the three yard line. So we had four, and Adrian Martinez choked on two of them, and Luke McCaffrey choked on two. So, of them. so what you're saying is. Adrian Martinez couldn't get us to the uh, red zone in most of his attempts. I mean, how many possessions did he have? Six, seven? And he, how many penalties did we have on his possessions? Uh, okay, so we, we didn't got, have a whole guys, lot we gotta, by the time we, we got to, get to them. defense uh, because uh, we got to get uh, our guest on here. Uh, so really quick, there were some good things that we saw on defense. We saw a lot of young talent come up and look strong. Guys like Luke Reimer, who had a solid game in his first start. Miles Farmer filled out awesome uh, coming in at safety with Deontay Williams sitting out. And two big interceptions. So there's a lot of great youth looking good on the defensive side. Tyler, what are your thoughts on the defense? Played a good game. Um, you know, I think, you know, you even take out the Ohio State game, which I thought a lot of actually positives in spite of the score. I think we're two games in. I like where this defense is. But I said this about the offense. I said this a little bit ago. I think I'm just taking a – I'm holding my breath a little bit because it's Northwestern. I think their defense – I knew they were going to make our offense struggle, and I knew our defense was going to look good against them. Saturday is really the tell sign – but you left off a lot of guys there, Justin. Yeah, Jojo Doman had a great game. I thought he played really well. I think the defensive line with Ty Robinson uh, really being kind of the guy. Uh, Damian Daniels is playing good minutes. Um, I, I mean, I just I love a lot of what this team is doing right now on the defensive side of the ball. Derek? I, I, I love what this defense is doing. This defense carried this team in this game. Uh, our offense did struggle. We moved the ball, but we did, we couldn't capitalize. But our defense carried the team. Uh, the first drive that, oh, that Northwestern had was was pitiful. We let them just drive down the down the field, uh, and then the this first drive of the second half was kind of I don't know. We had some just boneheaded plays, I think. But you know, we had nine quarterback hurries against uh, Northwestern. You know how many we had last year total? No. 18. Wow. So we had half of what we what we had all of last year in this one game. Uh, you know, and the past breakups, this, this is where my concern is coming from, because we all, we all sat here and thought that our secondary was going to be this big strength of this team. And, dude, we've got one pass breakup through two games. We had zero against Ohio State. The last time we had zero in a game – was against Ohio State in 2017. Like, under Frost, we've never had a game until Ohio State two weeks ago where we didn't have at least one pass breakup. Uh, I mean, Miles Farmer looked like a, a jolt on this defense. 
I was disappointed that we didn't, he didn't play more in the second half. I'm not sure if he played at all in the second half. I heard he got uh, zero snaps. And if that's the case, and that's on our staff, because I, I love Deontay Williams. Deontay Williams played a good game. There wasn't a lot of balls thrown at him because he had to get his guys covered. Uh, he had a good ta- couple good tackles. Uh, one tackles. of them was in the backfield. I don't think Deidre, I don't think, uh, well, first off, I don't think there was a lot of missed tackles in that whole game, really. I, I mean, there was a, there was a, there was a few arm tackles that probably should have been better, but most of those were on the two drives I spoke of earlier. But throughout the rest of the game, I mean, they played well. They held them to 21 points, which should have been enough for a Scott Frost offense to win this game. Yeah. Tyler, do you think uh, there was a lot of missed tackles in that game? No, I, there were some, right? I mean, here's the thing. If this defense, if the way they played carries on through the rest of the season, we're going to win some games. I, I think we're going to get figured out on offense. I, I really do, regardless of who the quarterback is, because I think they're both giving us the same. We're going to be able to score points against teams that aren't one of the best defenses in the country. Um, if this defense could continue to do it, Luke Reimer, man, Kudos to your dad. He he loved Luke Reimer. I don't know who they're going to start on Saturday yeah. with Will Honus if he's healthy. God, you got to start I mean, Reimer, right? I mean, it. God, I, I mean, I don't know who he bench. It's tough. It's. I mean, you know, you talk about the depth that secondary is filling in, depth that defensive lineman. I love how they've rotated defensive linemen. There were some missed tackles, um, especially on that touchdown run. Um, we, you know, we. It's not like we had a really bad angles. Um, on that play um, a couple other plays where they gained a couple yards more but again that's gonna happen I think overall you would give the tackling a B or B plus on the game okay well yeah defense was definitely the high spot in that game they did exact dark you said it best you know they did uh, what they needed to do to win this game and, well, and, and listen listen the two the two turnovers were huge uh, and and we look we got 10 points off turnovers off our turnovers, they got zero points. So, I mean, in, in that aspect, we won that part of the game, which, I mean, it's not it's a kind of consolation prize there. But, uh, you know, you know, I mean, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this. Our defensive line, the future of that defensive line is fucking bright because Casey, <laughs> Roger, Casey Rogers and Ty Robinson have impressed me so much this year. Yeah. And they're, and they're both redshirt freshmen. Like, the, but they've looked so good. Uh, probably the most disappointing player so far has been the only player I thought was going to be consistent was Ben Stilley. Yeah, I was going to say Ben Stilley. He was he was pretty quiet on Saturday. But I don't know. If, I don't know that it's that's he's not doing his job. I, I just he's just not getting tackles. He's just not filling up the stat sheet. Yeah. But I'll, I'll say this about the defense: that that last touchdown that they scored, it, it was a long a, a long punt return that they got. That really set them up. And special teams, we talked about this last year. It continues to be the issue, but it really put our defense in a bad spot in that last drive that they end up the what end up being the game winning drive for them. Um, you know, gave them a. I think they started on the forty five or fifty. I mean, it shortened the field, and it probably was the difference in that game. Yeah, we don't have time to get into it, but special teams. You're right, special teams. I don't think they've improved significantly from last year they're they're better in some oh. areas but oh, it, it's dog shit wrapped in cat shit right now yeah it, it is i mean I, I i disagree i outside of 
we, we did decent against Ohio State special teams-wise. Uh, they had a good kickoff return and a good punt return against Northwestern, or they did. The, the only part I will call complete dog shit is our return game. We cannot return our a ball. Our return game is pretty bad. Our coverage uh, but, but is other than, uh, Our coverage is fine. It was, it was one bad punt return. We gave up two plays. We gave up two plays, which is at least one too many uh, in the return game. Yeah, and our lack of return game is. Uh, the lack of return game, I'll, I'll 100% agree with you. Anyway, like, we can't return. We'll see how that uh, averages out. It's just two games. You know, we got another game. So we'll look into the special teams a little bit more next week as we recaps uh, uh, the Penn State game. But we got to get our guest on. So let's get him. All right, we now welcome in Corey Lestoki, host of the Hardcore College Football Podcast. Welcome, Corey. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Proud to be on the show. All right, well, thank you. Uh, let's talk about Big Ten performance so far in this year. How would you describe the Big Ten performance in football this year? Um, kind of what you'd expect as far as the COVID-19 crisis is concerned. It's been sporadic, it's been crazy, and it's sort of been unpredictable, right? Besides Ohio State, of course. Yeah, you know, so outside of an 0-2 Nebraska and an 0-3 Penn State, what has been the most surprising this year? It probably has to be Northwestern. I mean, we know, especially with Coach Fitzgerald's able to do over there, and he can make these kind of runs. Uh, but the way their defense is playing, and of course with Wisconsin not playing any football, they seem to be the best team in the Big Ten West right now. So, so Northwestern probably, and then right after them, obviously the Indiana Hoosiers, Tom Allen has done a really good job over there. And Although they may not have started out tremendously, it seems like after that Michigan game, they really have the gears going in the right direction. Yeah, so let's talk about this 0-3 Penn State team. Uh, how did they get there? I mean, this is a team that everybody had, like, at number two in the conference. Uh, high expectations, especially from us on the podcast. We thought they were going to be solid. And here we are. I mean, I, I didn't think headed into this season we'd see an 0-3 Penn State, 0-2 Nebraska game at all. And... We know how Nebraska got there, but tell us about Penn State. Yeah, I didn't expect it either. Obviously, you know, try not to be too much of a homer, but going into this normal 2020 season, if everything was kind of back to where it was, most Penn State fans would tell you they expected to at least contend for the Big Ten Championship, if not slip into the college football playoff. Now, since then, a lot of things have kind of gone against them. Of course, Micah Parsons on defense probably a top 10, top 15 pick in the NFL draft, decides to stay opted out, doesn't opt it back in. So that was a big loss at the linebacker position, kind of the heart and soul of the defense. On offense, Journey Brown, top running back, he's out with a disclosed medical issue. We're not really sure what that is. They made it seem like it wasn't season-ending, but they also didn't put a timetable on it. And, and James Franklin typically doesn't do that. And then they lost their second running back, Noah Kane, who was actually the workhorse for the majority of the 2019 season, three plays into the Indiana game. So right off the bat, you lose your best player on defense, and then you're on your third string running back surrounded by a bunch of young wide receivers. So that right off the bat before the season even starts, you kind of already lost a bunch. And then you don't get any sort of tune-up games. You're heading right to Bloomington, and you run into a Bloomington or an Indiana team that is pissed off, sick of losing the close games to really good teams. And although they didn't play great, they found a way to win. And then you come back and you have to play the Buckeyes, Everybody knows how good Ohio State is. Even if Penn State had everything going for them and a wide-out crowd, it was still going to be a really tough game. You put all those things together, Justin Fields too good, 0-2. Oh 
Now you have nothing really to play for. I think a team that only has 10 uh, players that have senior eligibility and 81 underclassmen really lacked leadership, and they came into this game against Maryland with no confidence and no reason to play, and they got all walked all over. So social media – oh, go ahead, Derek. I, I'm sorry. I, I just want to talk about uh, – you said, you said James Franklin is very good about not disclosing injuries – and I, I, I know that a lot of Nebraska fans, and there's a few of them on this podcast too, that have hammered Scott Frost for not disclosing those injuries. So I, I, I think it's very interesting to find out that James Franklin's the same way. Well, the joke around Nebraska land is Scott Frost said our starting center is day-to-day. And what that means is he's not out for the year. And that's all you know. He could be out for four weeks, but you know he's not. He, you know, he'll probably he's not out for the season. It's, yeah. it's very vague. It, it, it's really frustrating for the fans, obviously. But you know what? It's also frustrating for the people that cover the sport uh, in the paid profession. You know, uh, at Northwestern, we there was a, a guy for Nebraska. He was there, and he saw uh, people that just weren't there, uh, weren't warming up, didn't travel, and he had no idea. And so that's what led to that whole thing. But, you know, it's, it is common. They don't disclose uh, injuries, but it, it's, it is frustrating nonetheless. No, it, it is frustrating. And what I think they don't realize it does is it allows speculation. If you're not going to tell us what's happening, well, then we're going to start digging around asking questions. And we might not get the entire answer correctly, but if you don't tell us any better, why, why shouldn't we kind of dig around it and maybe believe some of the rumors? So sometimes I think it really does them uh, – injustice as far as kind of hiding some of those things rather than just tell you straight up like hey this isn't how it's going to be this is who we lost whatever the case may be Penn State does the same thing with their depth chart every week the depth chart that they come out with on Tuesday is the exact same depth chart that basically finished the game of the previous game so whatever you saw on the field is exactly what that Tuesday depth chart is going to be um, unless there's an obvious season-ending injury but but that's still I mean doesn't show us anything doesn't help us out even if a player played really well towards the end of the game they're not going to necessarily be the starter on that depth chart going into the following game so that, that's frustrating as well yeah it's even more frustrating at Nebraska because this year Scott Frost has not released a depth chart <laughs> so you get all the rumors that, you know and all the speculation going on and, you know, Twitter is probably the worst for rumors and speculation. Uh, speaking of rumors and speculation on Twitter, let's talk about James Franklin. Uh, <laughs> you know, James Franklin, from what I've seen out there, he's not well-liked there on Twitter right now. You know, going 0-3 is tough on any head coach. What, what do you think about James Franklin right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because, again, he doesn't do himself any favors because – the way he presents himself and the way he carries himself is, you know, he wants to be the car salesman, the high energy guy all the time. He wants things to be done the right way. He wants to have the attention to detail. And he really stresses that one and oh mindset over and over again. He tweets it every single week about who they're going to play. And the focus of the team is entirely on that one opponent. But then when they lose games and then when they come out flat against Maryland, it begins to wonder, well, is that really the mindset of the team? Are you really actually you know, instilling that into your players if you continue to come out flat, especially especially after losses? I think he's 5-4 and four now after losses. So he clearly has, hasn't found the way to transition his team from a loss um, into that next game. And that's probably the most frustrating thing. Whether or not his, you know, his seat's actually warm, 
Um, I don't think it's even close to that at this point. Now, obviously, Maryland game starts stacking up. Yeah, that, that that's not a good situation there. But I think for right now, people just want to see them play some relatively decent football before before going into that land. Yeah, and that's what makes this week, this coming week, even that more interesting. I mean, two teams struggling the way that they have been. So I'm looking forward to it. Tyler. Well, so so you know, you, you I want to get into this offense at Penn State. Um, obviously, heading into the year, you know, Sean Clifford was considered among the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Um, you know, I think that both Penn State fans um, and more so Nebraska fans, um, we've we've definitely in Lincoln see a quarterback controversy here. Um, what, what, where is Sean Clifford? Do you uh, does does Penn State have a backup plan and kind of evaluate where his struggles have really come from this year? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's pretty clear that he's regressed from from last season. The biggest issue going into this year was his uh, inconsistency, especially throwing the ball high, which I'm sure you guys can relate to because Adrian Martinez seems to do it all the time as well. Um, he doesn't seem to transfer that weight off his back foot. It kind of just leans back too much and, and results, even if he's not pressured in, in a lot of high throws. So that was something he knew going into the year he needed to work on. And because of the pressure and him running for his life, he's definitely um, gone back to those habits. So that, that, from a fundamental standpoint, is where he's struggling at. Uh, but the offense as a whole, Kirk Scirocco coming over from Minnesota, the plan was to run the football. You have you know two or three really good running backs. You have young wide receivers on the outside. They were going to pound the rock and then work in the play action over the top when they could. You lose your two starting running backs. All of a sudden, you're trying to find a way to run the ball consistently without getting Sean Clifford killed. And they have no sort of rhythm. They have no sort of uh, identity. And, and that's really been the reason the offense you know, hasn't been able to you know, maintain anything. Well, and you talk about running the ball. And I think an area going into Saturday that Nebraska can actually expose Penn State is with the offensive line of Penn State. Nebraska was able to get pressure on um, Justin Fields. We we had Patrick Ramsey or Peyton Ramsey running for his life against Northwestern. And if you look at what Maryland just did against uh, uh, Sean Clifford, they, they sacked him seven times. They had one sack going into the game. Maryland wasn't pressuring anyone. So what do you, what do you see with that offensive line, and why have they struggled so much this year? Um, where you know you have the talent at Penn State to really, you should have a pretty good offensive line. Yeah, that's a great question, and I think the answer is kind of three things. Number one, the offensive line was supposed to be a strong part, kind of coming into the season. You have five guys with a lot of experience, four obvious starters from last year, but one guy that played a lot of football in CJ Thorpe at right guard. So you had a lot of experience going in. Now, the Maryland game is one of those quicksand games where, yes, they had seven sacks, but Maryland's defense is still not a very good defense. I still expect them to give up plus 45 points Ohio State this weekend. I think this game was sort of a, you know, kind of throw it away as far as statistics is concerned. And one other reason why they were able to get seven sacks is, hey, that game was already um, a blowout before the halftime. So it's pretty easy as a defensive lineman to pin your ears back when you're not worried about a rush in order just to get after the quarterback. So you combine all of those things together, plus a gun-shy Sean Clifford, and he's holding on to the ball too long, the offensive linemen don't have any confidence, and you're down by 25 points, that's not a good recipe for uh, protecting the quarterback. You, I, I'm sorry, I just want to add one thing here. You, you talk about throwing away the stats against Maryland. 
is it that, or did Maryland actually expose your offensive line? Because because of the being on the third string running back, every team knows that you can't run the ball. So they're just going to pin their ears back and keep going after Sean Clifford. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely part of it. I think also the there was a failure to continue to try to run the football. I mean, whether or not you can or can't do it, you still need to at least try. They, they didn't do very much of that. Uh, it's not like they don't have good athletes there, right? I mean, they have plenty of talent at the running back position. It, it's just finding the rhythm of it. But again, you get down as fast as they got down, um, you you kind of don't have much of a choice as far as being one-dimensional. So, no, I, I, Maryland did a good job getting after him, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if this game stays closer if you saw the same performance you saw a week ago. Derek, talk about defense. All right. Uh, so there, there was one stat here that amazed me that you are actually better than Nebraska just because of the fact that Third down defense. Mm. You guys are giving up five, 50% of your, of your third down defense. And Nebraska's actually giving up 51.7%, which is atrocious on both sides. Uh, but uh, what, what's, what's going on with your third down defense there that you're, you're just not being able to seem to be get, getting off the field? Uh, you did pretty good against Indiana. You went four, they went 4-12 and 12 on third downs. Ohio State. I'll throw that away because that's the reason Nebraska is so bad is because Ohio State. But Maryland went nine for sixteen on third downs. Uh, so, so what's going on? Is is it missing Micah Parsons? Is it uh, personnel? Is it bad scheme? What what's going on that you just can't seem to get off the field on third down? Yeah, and that, that, that's a good point, and kind of the reason why this defense has been struggling so much. Also. On the flip side of that, I guess that's the one saving grace about this Penn State offense is the third down percentage is one of the better third down percentages they've ever had, which is kind of weird on how bad they've struggled. But no, defensively, up until that last drive against Indiana, the defense looked great. And then all of a sudden, since that last driver, Michael Penix went 75 yards, since that moment on, they've lost all their confidence in the world. The reason why that third down percentage is so bad, yes, Ohio State, basically every single third down Ohio State has like a third and one, third and three. They're not going to stop Justin Fields, you know, Master Teague on a third and three very often. That being said, this was an issue that they had going back to last year that Brent Pry, the defensive coordinator, wanted to work on specifically and thought about it all offseason was stopping the big play. And then what did we see? Two massive plays by Rakeem Jarrett on the Maryland wide receiver in the first half that basically bust that game wide open. So that's something that they've talked about. You, you, know, you accompany that with poor safety play. And all of a sudden, it's pretty easy to give up a lot of big yards. Uh, on top of that, one other thing is they haven't stopped the run nearly as effectively as they did in previous years. The front seven, especially the defensive line, was supposed to be a strength of this team. And they just haven't, to be honest with you. They've given up three or four yard runs on first down, and that sets up pretty easy third down conversions. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and Nebraska knows that all too well, honestly. Uh <laughs> So I, I, I want to go back into your uh, safe, your, your weak safety play. Right. And I, I'm just going to talk about the secondary as a whole. Penn State only has two takeaways on the year. I mean, they've given the ball away seven times, so I mean, their, their turnover margin is not good right yeah. now. But, but a lot of it's due to the fact that their defense is just not taking the ball away. Uh, I believe both those takeaways came against uh, Indiana. 
so what what's the game plan to because Nebraska's not turning the ball over on offense a lot. We're we're struggling on other ends, but we're not turning the ball over a lot. So what what what's the game plan to maybe create some more turnovers, get your get your offense the ball back? I think it all starts with pressure, right? I mean, if you can find a way to get pressure, you get more turnovers. And they haven't done a very good job of that. It's no surprise that when they do get pressure in the Indiana game, they were able to get um, a couple turnovers because, to be honest with you, they got a good amount of pressure against Michael Penix. He wasn't comfortable for most of that game. Obviously, Justin Fields pretty much had his way with the Penn State defense. Um, but that's, again, something that this defense really struggled in last year was turnovers. And they were hoping the guy in Jaquan Brisker was going to be able to get more interceptions this year. They called him a ball hawk all offseason. Um, but he hasn't been able to do that so far. But again, if a team is consistently moving the ball down the field, if they're methodic in their approach, they don't have to take as many chances. And when you don't have to take as many chances, when you don't have to drop back as much on five-step reads, you're probably not either A, going to get pressured as much. And that was really the case in the Maryland game where the ball was coming out pretty much every five, you know, two seconds the ball was coming out. Um, you're not going to make as many mistakes. You're not going to get pressured as much. And, and again, that's kind of where Penn State's struggling on defense. Well, it's I see. I, I would have went the other way with it with your rush defense. Like, I mean, you stopped Indiana, but Indiana's 116th in the country in running the ball. They're just not a good run defense or a running team, running offense. Uh, Ohio State had 208 yards against you guys, and they're 27th in the country. Maryland was 69th in the country and got 156 yards on you guys. Uh, Nebraska's actually statistically the best rush offense you're going to have seen. Uh, again, what, what, what's the plan? You talked about your, your front seven, not, not, uh, playing up to par. So how, how do you, what, what do you do to stop Nebraska's run game at this point? Especially the quarterback run, because that's where all the runs coming from is the quarterbacks. That's you know, not so and, much. And, and, and that's what that that's, I guess that's where I'm coming to too, is you talk about getting pressure on the quarterbacks, but all that does is make our quarterbacks run more. And I don't know that that necessarily helps you guys a lot. Yeah, I think we have the athletes um, at the defensive end position, and they have the experience of playing against. I mean, basically every quarterback is a mobile quarterback nowadays, even in the Big Ten. They've already seen Michael Penix Jr. They've already seen Justin Fields. They sold Tagovailoa last week, so they've had quite a bit of experience with Adrian Martinez like quarterbacks. And, and yeah, he's a little bit bigger than those guys. Um, and if Luke McCaffrey plays, he has a little bit more you know pep in his step. But as far as, you know, you got to get them uncomfortable. Whether or not you get there or not, you can't just let them sit back there and, and throw the football. But as far as stopping the run, the linebackers are young. You know, you lose Micah Parsons, that sucks. But that's still no excuse for how poorly they've played so far. Um, but you got Lance Dixon, uh, Jesse Lacuda, and Brandon Smith, all of which haven't played that much football, basically under a year of football combined. So they're just young. And they're going to get better. And they have, good, they have good, really good team speed. Um, but you got to get them in favorable situations. You got to, you know, have sustained drives on offense. You got to keep them fresh. And when you have opportunities for takeaways, you got to take advantage of them. And then otherwise, you're going to get worn down. And it doesn't matter how good you started the game off rushing, you know, rush defense, you're eventually going to get worn out, especially against a team like Nebraska. So, so here is my fear for playing Penn State Saturday is that we can't throw the ball. I mean, we we have shown no ability to throw the ball this year. Um, our offense has been dictated on us running the ball, namely the quarterback. We just talked about that at length before you joined us. So, you know, knowing that 
you know, Nebraska, when you think of Scott Frost, I'm sure you think Scott Frost, UCF offense. Two games, that's not what you're seeing out in Nebraska. And give credit to Ohio State and Northwestern, maybe that's why. But as a Penn State fan, how much confidence do you have in this defense knowing that we are one-dimensional? And when I say one-dimensional, we are one-dimensional. It is quarterback run only. Um, <laughs> it, it is not running game, it is quarterback run only. Like, But you know that your defense has struggled. I mean, how much confidence do you have on that defensive side of the ball heading into Saturday's matchup? If they would like to stop the run, they can. The safety, Lamont Wade, for example, he gets burned in coverage more times than anyone else in the country. But he's a really good run stopper. He's really good at actually forcing turnovers. I think he had two or three forced fumbles against Ohio State last year, for example. Uh, you got a cornerback in Treat Casterfields that can stop the run, too. So even on the perimeter, you guys, you know, there are guys that can stop the run. But I wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska does, hey, we take one or two shots and we connect early on. You know, we're going to have Penn State's defense on the heels the rest of the game. So if Nebraska decides to, hey, we're just going to, you know, keep it tight to the formation, I don't know if that's the best way to go at it. I mean, I know that they can run the ball and, and Mills is kind of a workhorse, but that would be playing to Penn State's strength. I, Penn State's missed a lot of missed tackles. I would spread them out, you know, see if you can get some inside zone going once you've spread them out more and you make these early, you know, young linebackers tackle in space. And then make those safeties stay back because once they start bringing more guys in the box, they still have better athletes than the Nebraska does on offense. So I would I would spread them out and make them make tackles in space. I'll agree with you 100 percent on that because uh, and here's another stat for you that I'm sure you're aware of, but uh, Penn State's uh, defense is giving up 60 68 percent of their passes right now. Uh, Tagovailoa tore you guys up. Justin Fields is going to tear everybody up all year, and, and that is what it is. Uh, you guys did kind of shut down percentage-wise on Indiana, but again, yeah, I agree with you. I think I think spreading you guys out, and I we talked about this a little bit earlier on the podcast about uh, Nebraska. This is where Nebraska needs to get some of these younger wide receivers that are playmakers into the game and let them try and spread it out and get to these safeties. But, uh, well, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. The question is what's going to happen because Nebraska has not shown the, the desire to pass the ball. I mean, we, well, we've, also, too- we've also played two of the best defenses in the Big Ten. Yeah. And, and, and we're coming up on I, – I don't mean to trash Penn State because normally they have a very good defense. But so far statistically this year, this is by far the worst defense that we're going to have faced. And I, 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 it's, it's concerning if I'm a Penn State fan, I think. It, it's interesting, right? Because it's almost at the point now where, and Maryland did a great job of it, right? And I went back to this earlier. The fact that they got the ball out fast, that nullified the pass rush that we usually have, and then it made us tackle in space. And, and that's kind of the the form the formula to beat Penn State right now. And that's what Ohio State did a lot of too. Um, and so I would be surprised if they didn't try, you know, get Robinson out in space and, and see if he can make a couple people miss. And you only have to do that a couple times because, you know, I don't think it's going to take that much more to do it. But I do think this game boils down to, you know, what have we seen so far and what we, you know, possibly could see, right? The actual thing and what the product's been on the field so far and the potential that both teams have. Because if teams play up the potential, if only one team plays up the potential and the other one continues to play what we've seen so far, um, it could be a blowout one way or the other. But if both teams come to play and there's, you know, both teams play up to the potential, it can be a really crazy, completely opposite game of what we expect it to be. Corey, what do, do you? Oh, go ahead, Tyler. I, I was going to say, do you have a vibe if it 
where is Penn State at right now? I know James Franklin keeps talking about one and zero. I know you addressed this earlier, but going into Saturday, like, do you think Penn State is? Are they? in it to win it I, I know that's kind of a silly question but do you think that they're all in because I think right now in Nebraska at least for my chair I mean you go oh and two you you wonder about the psyche of a team what, what are they going to do that third game are they going to come out with the pep in the step are they going to have all that where do you take Penn State right now in far as their will are they are they mailing it in where are they at that's a yeah. That's a great question. I wish I had the obvious answer for you. I would assume that they have two choices, right? You're zero and three now. Obviously, the Big Ten race is out of your you know your control. You just lost to Maryland, so really can't go any more rock bottom than you're already at. And if I think if the team was made up of a bunch of seniors that were pretty much going to be gone anyway, I would assume they'd say screw it, we're done. But like I said, most of the guys playing have something to prove. Most of them, whether or not the season goes well or not, are going to be coming back next year and are going to be fighting for spots, hopefully, on a better team. So my idea is they can't possibly play any less motivated than they played last weekend. Whether it is a complete 180, I find that hard to believe because I don't think you can just flip a switch on something like that. But I would be super surprised. And honestly, I think it's good for the team to go on the road and get out of State College and kind of come together a little bit on the road. I would find it hard to believe if they played less motivated than they played on Maryland. Not necessarily because they're going to play that much more motivated, but because they really can't play any less motivated. Corey, in, in a game like this, uh, with Penn State and Nebraska being where they are uh, in 2020, I think special teams is going to be a huge issue here. Uh, Nebraska, we had a lot of special teams issues last year. Uh, we kind of changed it up, brought in a uh, recruiting coordinator or analyst to help fix things. And through two games, it doesn't look like it's improved too much. Uh, giving up, you know, some uh, plays on the punt return, kickoff return. Uh, th- our return game, you know, uh, I joke that, you know, we don't have a punt returner. We have a fair catcher, you know. Uh, so where where is Penn State in the special teams? About the same. I mean, return-wise, they they don't do very much. I mean, they have inconsistency at the kick returner spot where we don't even know who's going to be back there every single time. And in my opinion, it's important to kind of settle on one person so they can find some rhythm. Uh, so, so that's an issue to me. Punt returning-wise, we struggled in the Indiana game just to even you know catch the ball. And then in the Ohio State game, they decided that statistically it wasn't even – wise of them to even try to return a uh, kick return so they didn't even bother so so the return game i i wouldn't see it as a factor the kicking game is a little bit different because penn state uses two different kickers and still to this day doesn't make any sense to me so they have jordan stout who is their long range specialist and i'm not exactly sure what that range would be but i would assume anything typically over 40 yards would be his responsibility and anything un- under that would be up to jake pinniger now, Jake Pinniger was 92% coming into this year on field goals, but he missed two uh, previously. And then for some reason, and, and this didn't make any sense, and hopefully we get some more clarification on this tomorrow at the press conference, uh, he came out for the 49-yard field goal instead of Jordan Stout uh, against Maryland. So it, it didn't really make any sense when he's your long-term guy. So I don't know what is going on. The reason for why they try to do that is because Jordan Stout's also doing the kickoffs and the punting duties, and I guess I should add to that, 
Nebraska will not return a kick off the kickoff. Not going to happen. Jordan Stout will put it out of the end zone. Unless there's like a 25-mile-an-hour wind going against them, you're not going to return a kick. So that is valuable to Penn State, and apparently yeah. it's so valuable that they're not going to let him do all the kicking duties, and, and I think that's a mistake. Well, to be, to be fair, first off, Nebraska wasn't going to return a punt if, or a kickoff if, even if you kick it to the 10-yard line. We're, <laughs> we're in a fair catch. <laughs> so so, so just, just to that, to be fair, but uh, to, to me – I uh, number five Dotson, right? I, I I'm forgetting his first Jahan, name. Yep. Jahan, yeah, there you go. Uh, he returned a few punts against Maryland, and looked decent doing it. I I honestly, if I'm Penn State right now, that's my returner against Nebraska. And I I I think they would be stupid not to do it. Just just judging off of what they've seen out of the Northwestern game, they like, would. Like, um... We did okay in special teams against Ohio State, but. Northwestern, we kind of struggled again, and I, I think they exposed our special teams a little bit. And Dotson is just a playmaker. I mean, he proved that against Ohio State. Right. They're, they would be very stupid to not get him the ball as many times as possible because, truthfully, he's one of the only bright spots so far in the season. I think he leads the team or the Big Ten in touchdowns and yards right now. So that's pretty much the only positive silver lining so far in this young season. Well, and you look at Saturday. I mean, it's Monday right now. We're recording this for anyone listening, but we're looking at 40% chance of rain, 15-mile-an-hour winds. You know, could could that be a little bit sloppy of a game? What does that do to special teams? What does that do to all the struggles we talked about? You know, you talked about Nebraska throwing is really something they could do. We haven't done that. I mean, what does that do? Sean Clifford, his struggles. I, I mean, it the weather could play a factor in this game at Memorial Stadium on Saturday. And isn't that the way the big 10 would go if uh, it ends up being just a slot fest on uh, in the turf in Saturday? Yeah, that would be pretty ugly. And, and I, in my opinion, something that people don't talk about enough is they always say, Oh, in the rain and those muddy games, you kind of see offenses get bogged down a little bit. But in my personal opinion, it's much harder to play defense, especially in space in the mud. When you're trying to react to what the offensive player is doing in the mud and the rain, that drastically hurts your chances. So that's even a more of a reason for maybe Nebraska to try it. Again, you're not trying to air it out all over the place, but get whoever the quarterback is. I'm assuming it's going to be Martinez, even though I don't think it should necessarily be. Um, get that quarterback <laughs> some rhythm, get him some confidence early, and you might have a chance You know, as far as you know, actually throwing the ball, which you haven't been able to do as well as you'd like so far. All right, Corey, I, because you said that, we, we discussed that in the first half of the podcast. What are your thoughts on the quarterback situation at Nebraska? Yeah, I, look, I, I've been harped on by other Nebraska fans, obviously none of you guys, but time and time again being told that Adrian Martinez was going to win a Heisman for Nebraska before he was, before he was going to leave. And I never saw that, and I still don't see that. And at this point, I mean, it's tough because, you know, the guy's been there, he's battled through injuries, and it's like you want to believe in him. Um, but at the same time, you know, to some effect, it's because, you know, when the backup comes in and that always brings a little bit of, you know, you know, freshness to the offense. But it just seems like McCaffrey has more command of the offense. Um, I was reading some stuff earlier about how he understands the way Scott Frost wants to just go, 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 go. He doesn't want to just sit back and kind of analyze every single pre-snapper. He just wants to go and, and try to win the down based off of, you know, the scheme of the entire offense rather than, the, you know, the specific play. Um and I think he is a little bit of a better runner. Now, not that Martinez is a bad runner, 
because Martinez is a big guy and he's going to you know carry the load for three or four extra yards. But I think McCaffrey, as far as acceleration and agility, if he's trying to get away from somebody, whether it's a defensive end or or maybe a you know a quarterback spy, I think McCaffrey's a little bit better in that regard too. So so I would at this point, especially being zero and two, um, I, I would be leaning towards McCaffrey at this point. Another person against me in that regard. Yeah. Tyler's out on an island on this one. I, 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 not just on this podcast in Husker Nation. Uh, you know, you talk about Martinez being good at running and and or or McCaffrey being better, but Martinez, I mean, he ran for over a hundred yards against Northwestern in three quarters. Um, he had a couple twenty. I mean, he was dynamic. He's running the ball. I'll tell you this: he is running the ball as well this season as he's ever run it in Lincoln. Um, Unfortunately, he is throwing the ball as bad as he's ever thrown the ball in his time in Lincoln. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, that that's one thing that we will not know who the quarterback is until Saturday. And I would not be shocked if you see both of them. Um, I, I, if, you know, I would bet hard money you'll see both of them. Who starts, I don't know. But I think you'll see both of them because I don't think we could afford either of those guys sitting on the bench the whole game. Yeah, my money, my money's on Luke McCaffrey starts. So I I think just the way that Frost trusted him to end the Northwestern game, the fourth quarter, the final drive to win the game, I mean I think that that goes a long way in what the what the coach is thinking. You know, got to change something up on offense, and I welcome I welcome that. It's not popular with Tyler. Derek doesn't give a shit, but no, I I have the cheesy take. I don't think it. I don't think the quarterback is the issue right now. Like, I, I think both of them have done well, well at points. I think both of them have struggled at points. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my problem is we need to get playmakers on the field. We need to get wide receivers on the field. We need to get a better running back because Deidre Mills is a bruiser, but he can't get to the outside. He can't, he can't run anything outside of the tackles. Uh, you get him through the tackles, sure, he's going to get you some yards. But I, I just I, – we need a running back. We need some wide receivers. And right and, now, they're, they're all young. We need skill they're, they're positions. Getting... <laughs> and that, and that, and that, yeah, we need a lot. But, you know, Nebraska on Saturday will be interesting. I, Third I think, game. I, I think we have them. We just they are not experienced enough. Yeah. So something to keep an eye on. We have a lot of good young guys. Uh, we brought in the number one Juco wide receiver, Omar Manning. He came back. He's a guy to keep an eye on this week. Uh, Xavier Betts started playing late. He was a top 20 wide receiver. Uh, Marcus Fleming was a good wide receiver. Lonta Brown was the number one prep player. We have weapons. Maybe Penn State's when we bring them out. So I think it's time for the score predictions. All right, Corey, how do you see this game playing out? And what's your score prediction right now? Penn State is favored by three. Oh, wow. So that line even went went down. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. So I, it's going to be an ugly game. Unless something all of a sudden changes and the lights go on and people's, you know, you know, offenses and defenses, I think it's going to be a really ugly game. Especially, you know, you throw in the weather there, that, that possibly could be bad. Um, I think it could be super ugly. Uh, keep an eye on how Penn State starts. They're getting pretty much outscored in the first half by a large margin. So I think that will kind of tell you the whole story. If Nebraska has a good lead going into the halftime, I think they have a good chance to hold on. Um, me personally, I, I think Penn State has to find a way to win this game. I I don't necessarily think you're going to see their best performance, but part of me has to think that overall they have a better team. They have to come out at least a little bit motivated, and I, I think they win 28-27. 28-27, okay. I, I definitely am not putting any money on Penn State this weekend. <laughs> 
All right, Tyler, what's your score prediction here? I think that line is going to continue to drop. I don't think Nebraska will be favored in that game. Um, but ultimately, I do think we win this game. I think at the end of the day, I think our defense has the ability through what we've shown this far. I like to believe it, even in spite of it being Northwestern's offense, that we're going to get some pressure on Clifford. We're going to get some ability to make some stops. Um, this offense can't be this bad to this long. I, I don't care who the quarterback is. I just refuse to believe Scott Frost forgot how to close uh, coach offense. I just, I refuse it. Now, I don't think we're going to light the world on fire on Saturday, but I do think we make some strides and we do improve. I got, I like your Nebraska prediction at 27. I, I got Penn State at uh, 21, so 27-21. Derek? All right, I, I have a little higher, higher scoring because I think that uh, Penn State's defense just has not proved enough to me. Uh, I mean, they're averaging, I think, 36 points a game. And I, I, Nebraska is too, but a lot of that's because of the Ohio State game. Uh, I, I think our run defense has proved enough that we could shut down a bad run game and turn Penn State into a one-dimensional team. Uh, we, we can get pressure on on Clifton. What, what scares me is special teams. I think Dotson's going to return a touchdown on special teams and keep this close. Uh but I, I got Nebraska winning 35-28. 35-28. Okay. Uh, I have to go against the Cousins here. Uh, 27 seems like a popular score for Nebraska. I think Nebraska gets 27. Uh, I think Penn State's going to win this game 34-27. I, I hope Nebraska can get up to 27. I need to see that offense. We haven't seen it yet this year. But something tells me that they can get a little bit of points there against uh, Penn can State. I, can I ask you this, Justin, before you go off? Doesn't Penn State have to prove they can stop somebody too? That's why I gave Nebraska 27. I mean, <laughs> I think I think Nebraska can get 27. I mean, you don't like what I had written down the first time. So, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a one-score game. It's – all of us see it as a one-score game here. Uh, I can also see it getting ugly. I think I really think that Penn State could probably win by two, two scores easy. Well, so I want to I ask you one more question, and then maybe we get you off. But if, if you look at Nebraska right now, what is the thing about Nebraska that scares you the most? If Nebraska, if if after this game you're on, you're you're doing your podcast, you're talking about this. What do you think is the re? If we win this game, why do we win this game? Who who is the factor? What is the factor in this game? Yeah, and, and that's kind of why I went with Penn State winning. It's because I don't necessarily see anything Nebraska is doing that is going to be the reason they win. If if Nebraska wins this game, and I really think they can win this game, it's really going to be because Penn State continues to not do anything right, and, and that's what they've been doing. And, and to your guys' credit. Maybe they have to prove me wrong, but this team defensively and offensively has really pretty much given every other team every chance to beat them, especially in the first half. If that trend continues, I think Nebraska could easily win by 14 points. Um, but to answer your question away from what I think is, is the real reason why Penn State could lose this game, um, it, it's got to be the, the ability to run the football, right? Because we talked about that third down percentage earlier. You know, if they can keep third and manageable, stay on the field, wear out that Penn State defense. I mean, any situation where we're asking Sean Clifford to come on the field late in the game 
run around for his life and try to make a comeback is probably not going to end well for Penn State. So that's probably the most scary situation I see. But again, the reason they're going to be in that situation is because they continue to make mistakes early on in the game. Well, do not be shocked if Nebraska gets up early. Yeah, um, I def- I would not be shocked we, by we, that. We, we have a tendency of scoring early. Um, I think we'll continue to do that. We've moved the ball really well. We scored on Ohio State our first series. Um, you know, we had se- I think we had 17 points going into halftime against Ohio State. We can we can score early. Um, as, as stamina goes on in the game, whatever it is, we do not put up points in the second half. Um, yet to score in the second half of the season, but um, we'll, we'll see on Saturday. Yeah, and I guess one last thing I'll add to that is Penn State's given up. 30 plus points now in four straight games dating back to last year. So that's something that has never been done before in Penn State history. So I think that 30 point margin is a pretty interesting margin. I think if they can somehow Nebraska gets over 30 points, I think they probably win. If they stay under 30 points, I think Penn State probably finds a way to win. Interesting. We'll be looking at that. All right, Corey, give us uh, your Twitter handle and uh, plug your podcast here. Yeah, thanks guys. So uh, yeah, you can find me at hardcore CFB on Twitter. Uh, Hardcore College Football is the podcast. We pretty much talk about everything college football-wise. Obviously, we don't get to it all every single time, but Big Ten, SEC, all of it's covered there. Off-season is really actually my more favorite time because we bring in a lot of different guests from all sorts of college football, whether it's marketing, coaches, athletic director, all sorts of random stuff like that. Kind of get the more behind-the-scenes look. So um, that's kind of what we do at the Hardcore College Football podcast. Awesome, Corey. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, good luck uh, this weekend. Hey, you too, guys. It's been a really good time. Appreciate it. All right, it is time for our games of the week, and let's get into the standings. Last week, I kicked ass last week. I went 5-0. and I am now 26-17 and on the year. Derek, you went 4-1. and Pretty good. Not as good as me. 25-18 uh, and on the year for you, and Tyler, 2-3 and on the week, 27-16. So, we we actually uh, caught caught you. Uh, you were talking all that smack last week, and we're there, man. Uh, so let's get into the games of the week. We're doing an all Big Ten slate this week, mainly because the games suck this week across college football for the most part. Not a lot of great games. So the first game, Iowa minus three at Minnesota. This is a Friday night game. Tyler. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at both of these teams, I think that they've both been disappointments this season. Um, you know, Iowa, they, they look really impressive against Michigan State. Um, you know, I think Minnesota played pretty well last week. I, I really don't know what to make of this game, but I think that Minnesota is going to pull it out. Um, I, I know their defense has struggled, but I just don't buy Iowa's offense. And as bad as Minnesota's defense is, I'm not convinced Iowa's going to be able to move the ball. Minnesota's offense has not been the problem this year. I think they're going to put up points. I think they're going to score. Close game, but I think Minnesota wins. Okay, Derek? Uh, I'm going to go with defense here, and Iowa's got the way better defense. I think Iowa pulls out the win here. Yeah, I'm going with Iowa also. Uh, Iowa, they showed some offense last week, uh, which makes me think that that's good, that's bad news for a bad Minnesota defense. So we'll see. Uh, I would not bet this game. Uh, next game, number 10, Indiana, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at Michigan State. Tyler. Well, you talked about Michigan State. It seems like the only team that they could beat is Michigan. I like Indiana. Indiana, Derek. 
Indiana. I, they're the better team. Yeah, Indiana, definitely. Illinois at Rutgers. Stop me if you've heard this before. Rutgers minus six and a half. Nobody, nobody's ever heard that. Yeah, me neither. Tyler, not 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 in our lifetime. No. Uh, I think I heard this was the first time in like three years they've been favored in a conference game. Um, you know, I, this is actually the toughest game for me to predict because Illinois has been bad, but I, they've shown spark. I think the the thing about Illinois is they're always going to come out to play. But at this point, I just think Indian Rutgers is having fun. I, I think they're just they're bringing it every Saturday. I wouldn't be shocked if Illinois pulled the upset, uh, but I'm going to go Rutgers here. Derek, uh, Illinois still without Brandon Peters because he tested positive last week, and without their starting quarterback, I can't see him beating Rutgers. I think uh, Noah Vedral's done a good job there at Rutgers, and I think they pull up. Their second and probably last victory of the Big Ten. You know, I don't want to open up a can of worms here, but, you know, Tyler was always against the Greg Schiano, and he's talking about Ruggers is having fun out there playing the games. You know, they're, they're doing all the trick plays. Come on, Tyler. Did Ruggers make the right choice by hiring Greg Schiano? I'll answer yeah. for you. The answer is yes. The answer is always yes. Number 13, Wisconsin, three and a half points. Who'd, who'd you pick? Who'd you Ruggers. pick? Ruggers. Oh, Ruggers. Oh, yeah. I, I like what Shiano's doing. I like that Noah Vedral guy. My God, I wish Nebraska could get a kid like that. Ha-ha. All right, number 13, Wisconsin, minus three and a half at Michigan. Tyler. Well, I said I said the Rutgers-Illinois was the toughest game to predict. This is the second toughest. What is Wisconsin bringing on Saturday? I, I don't know what to expect of Wisconsin. I don't know who's playing. But what I do know is Michigan is not playing good football right now. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is probably going to get fired at the end of the season. I think he's done. I think they lose against Wisconsin in a close game. Um, I got Wisconsin. Derek? I think Wisconsin is very rusty. They haven't played in two weeks. Uh, they haven't practiced up until this week. Uh, we don't. I don't know if Graham Mertz is starting or not. Uh, and If Graham Mertz isn't starting, I think Michigan wins this game pretty handily. Uh, but even with Graham Mertz, I, I, I think Michigan pulls out a nail-biter just because they've at least got a little bit of practice going on. And, and Wisconsin's done nothing but sit with their thumbs in their asses for the last two weeks. Uh, I have Wisconsin also. I don't know why because of all the uncertainty there, but I'm just not impressed with Michigan. Uh, Michigan is a broken team right now. Their fan base is probably more miserable than Penn State and Nebraska at this point. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you fast forward to the end of the year. I mean, Penn's. I mean, I predict Nebraska is going to beat Penn State on Saturday. I mean, that Penn State Michigan game. I mean, you, we talked about last week in Minnesota Illinois for the Sacco. I mean, man, that might really be like who's at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, I don't think there's a team more miserable than Penn State right now. They had, they had, they, come on, they had national championship hopes, even, even in all this, all, even the, all this uncertainty, and they're 0 and 3. Yeah, yeah. Number 23, Northwestern, minus 3 at Purdue. Tyler. I mean, this, this was close to be my best bet. I think Northwestern is going to win this game. You know, Purdue just had the week off. Um, I don't know what Purdue was before this. I think there was a lot of question marks there. You have the week off. 
I don't know Rondell Moore, their supposed best player. I don't think he's playing. I think Northwestern is being disrespected here. I think Northwestern wins this game. It's probably not a blowout because Northwestern is not going to blow out anyone besides Maryland this year, but Northwestern wins this game. Uh, I got Northwestern in a fairly big win, and maybe that's only 10 points as a big win, but uh, Northwestern's defense has proven to be real, and I figured they would be. I never well, – well, I – uh, didn't necessarily think Northwestern was going to be a great team. It was more offensively. And they've kind of proven that a little bit. But their defense is real, guys. And I, I just don't think Purdue could score enough to beat Northwestern at all. Derek, if your picks are right, if if you are if you get the Michigan and the Northwestern, then the West is done. I mean, it, I mean – it is entirely Northwestern's at this point. If they, if I, th- I think it is. They they've played the best. They've looked the best outside of one week that we have at Wisconsin. But that's just so. I, I, there's so much, too much unknown with Wisconsin. I don't. I can't. I can't. I can't see anything from them right now. Yeah, I'm taking Northwestern. Also, I mean, th- those dudes are on a roll. Defense gets it done. I think that offense will continue to get better. Uh, all right, best bet segment. Uh, my favorite segment because I'm doing two and six on the air. I missed last week. Tanner, you hit last week, so you're four and four. Derek, you missed last week, but you still have a winning record, four, three, and one. Uh, I'll just get my losing pick out of the way right now. Uh, I'm taking Coastal Carolina. You know, they're five, one, and one on the year. This is a team that beats the spread, so I'm going to join that team here. Uh, Troy, they're one and two at home, and Coastal Carolina, they're three and zero on the road. I bet Coastal Carolina last week they pushed, uh, but uh, I like I like them in this position. What's the spread? Oh, I'm sorry, it's uh, Coastal Carolina uh, ten, favored by ten. Uh, Tanner, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to do something that I've only done one other time this year is I'm not going to go for an over-under. I'm going uh, uh, spread. I'm going to go Georgia 11.5 against Missouri. I, I know Georgia just lost to Florida in semi-dominant fashion, um, but outside of Alabama and Florida, their defense has been the best in the country. Um, I know that doesn't mean a lot when you're too, the only two offenses you played you get crushed against, but I still do think that defense against a Missouri offense – that the only time that Missouri offense shows up against is against Bo Pelini. Um, I mean, they gave up, they only scored 20 points against Kentucky, and that's their second most points. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game, and I think they can Georgia can easily win by two touchdowns. All right, Derek. All right, I here is the game of the week, guys. Take this bet because Virginia Tech just lost to Liberty last week. Liberty. And somehow they're favored against Miami, number nine Miami. Miami's shown to be pretty good team outside of Clemson game. Uh, I, I I cannot. It blows my mind how to to know how Virginia Tech is favored by two. So I'm taking Miami plus two easily. Interesting. Miami's burned me all year long, so I am avoiding any bet taking Miami. So uh, we'll see. Maybe it works out better for you. Uh, guys, we went long tonight. A very fun, fiery episode. This was great. Corey was great. 
the Northwestern recap. That was very interesting. Uh, thanks again. Hey, I, ju- I, ju- I just want to apologize for all the F-bombs. I got a little fired up. and uh... If they're listening this long, Derek, it didn't bother them, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, thanks again to Corey from Hardcore College Football for joining us to talk Penn State. Special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter, at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit the subscribe button, and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Third.